On tonight's episode, we watched Pompeii. It forward. Pompeii it forward. Uh, what? Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, everyone. I'm Stuart Wellington. Elliot Kalen here, rounding out the cast Killing as it. himself. Yeah. And featuring no one else. <laughs> Just three, us person three guys. Special guest star, the regular people. It's like a sure. one-man show times three. Yep. We're like a bunch of three stooges, except there's only one of us. Wait. The... As oh, oh yeah, this to, is one okay. of those identity movies. Oh, okay, yeah, so we're, we're all on John Cusack's head. Yeah. yeah, and we're like, John, what is with the career choices you're making? <laughs> it's mm. like multiplicity if they stopped at two clones, uh, plus the original guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Three of yeah them. exactly. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde if there was a third guy <laughs> who was also involved. Larry. Called Larry. Dr. Jekyll's buddy. Dr. Jekyll's buddy, Larry. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Larry. <laughs> Even Larry's like, I feel like I'm kind of extraneous here, guys. It's kind so. of a third wheel. But many things have three wheels. <laughs> Tricycles, that Mr. Bean car that's always getting knocked over. Yeah. Uh, so would, Motorcycles would, with sidecars? I guess they've got four wheels, really. Yeah. I mean, not, if you, not if you build them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. If it's built brokenly, then yeah. So would Larry be the id, the ego, or the super ego, Dan? No, he's the neighbor. Oh, he's who's <laughs> always like, what, what's going on over at the Jekyll place? I gotta check in. Yeah, you know. it's a kind of a three's company he's situation. The Mr. Roper, so he always yeah. walks in and he thinks uh, Doctor Jekyll's giving Mister Hyde a hand job or something. <laughs> No. They're like, no, we're teaching each other to dance. And he's I mean, like, that's only, not what it looked like. Only one of them at a time, but yeah, yes. yeah, certainly. <laughs> It's called masturbating, guys. (laughs) Grow up. (laughs) Don't understand where this conversation went. Dan, what do we do on this thing that we're doing? What is this? Theoretically, we watch... It's a podcast that you downloaded. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. I mean, they know that... (laughs) Presumably, they know that far. Unless they're Uh, streaming it. Or they're, like, being trapped somewhere. (laughs) Look, you've got this podcast somehow. Maybe you downloaded it. Maybe you found it in a bottle that you found in the ocean. Yeah, maybe maybe a genie gave you a compact disc to play. And this yanked was it out, it. He yanked it out of a Hellraiser guy's head. <laughs> but, but the point is, uh, we watch a bad movie. Maybe maybe you're at a, an exorcism, and the de- and the demon possessed youth is just repeating this to you. The point is, it's a podcast. Yeah, the premise, such as it is. That we watch a bad movie and then we discuss it. And then we yakety yak about it. With you. It. I mean, you don't really say anything. I mean, I mean you, you can, can say, yeah. We just won't. We won't hear you. Hear it. Not because we can't, but because we refuse to. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever uh, you're saying right now, I can't hear it. La, 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 not listening. Dan, continue. So we watched tonight Pompeii. Uh, Pompeii! Based on the true story of Pompeii. <laughs> uh, uh, well, <laughs> loosely based on real events. Yeah. Uh, and I was surprised to find that Pompeii is. About as old-fashioned a natural disaster movie set in a historical setting as you can get. Yeah. Um, are Wait, you, what, are, what are other historical disaster films? Well, uh, I'm going to recommend one. Dante's Peak. Okay, so but you have movie, like, movies like San Francisco, uh, The Last Days of Pompeii, which is a er, much, much earlier movie about the, the eruption of Vesuvius. You <laughs> it's have good like, that they said The Last Days of Pompeii rather than The Early Days of Pompeii. It's them founding it's, the city. And people are like, when's this volcano going to erupt? <laughs> But what it, about it, the Poseidon Adventure? Uh, <laughs> no, not exactly. <laughs> what about Titanic? I think it was... Uh, Titanic, yeah, kind of. I mean, that's not that's, re- less of a natural disaster, but you'd have a lot of these movies... And this movie certainly wishes it was Titanic at points. Yes, very much so. During the studio era especially, you had a lot of movies that were like, we're going to take a real life, like the San Francisco earthquake or... Uh, like the fire, uh, Great Fire of Chicago. And we're going to add Mickey Rooney to it. Well, kind of, yeah, <laughs> always. That was law, though. Roosevelt signed that into law. Yeah. That was the Mickey Rooney Historical Disaster <laughs> Film Act because Rooney needed the work. Come on. Yeah. He was just a kid. He was supporting his whole family. It was the Depression. Anyway, so you had, uh, they would say, here's a natural disaster. Everyone knows it's going to happen, so that's instant suspense. We'll have a love triangle between like a good guy and a bad guy. 
then a girl. Okay. And then, yeah, that was the third point. Yeah, there's the only two points. So she was the Larry <laughs> in this case. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and Larry. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a love triangle. Did I not mention that? Dr. Jekyll has a crush on Larry, but Larry has a crush on Hyde. Yeah, because he's a bad boy, dude. And so, yeah. <laughs> it's a real Larry's Superman love bad boy. So Dr. Jekyll keeps changing into Hyde to get Larry to like him. And at the end, Larry's like, Dr. Jekyll, I wasn't going to like you until you liked yourself. Exactly. And Dr. Jekyll's like, so you like me now? And Larry's like, no, I don't. I'm going out with Dracula now. <laughs> the ultimate Mr. Hyde. <laughs> the ultimate bad boy. <laughs> Dracula, the ultimate Mr. Hyde. What a weird slogan. Yeah. So speaking of Draculas, there this, movie any in this movie has Kiefer Sutherland. How is he a Dracula? He was a Dracula in Lost Boys, dude. <laughs> I guess he was a vampire. He wasn't a Dracula. Unless it was called Dracula's Kids. <laughs> it was the Drac Pack. <laughs> Little Dracula's. Little Dracula Jr. California How is there a little known fact about Drac? <laughs> Drac. I, I didn't have anything. I just wanted to say that. He, just, <laughs> he has a kid <laughs> named Keither. So let's talk about in a mirror world. This is an old fashioned formula, what? and this is a, and uh, they did not add anything new to it until, let's say, the last 25 minutes of the movie. Let's explain. We begin in Britannia in the year 62 AD. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is a movie about the Roman city of Pompeii. Well, technically, Rome was just a city. It was a, it's the ancient city of Pompeii okay. that was part of the empire, I guess. All right, carry on. So, carry I mean, on. That like, wasn't my concern. Like the British series, <laughs> yeah. carry on? Carry on up your mother. It's bloomers. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Whatever. It was the unreleased one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dad's mom, it was called. <laughs> Dad's <laughs> was, armies carry on. Dad's armies mom carry up on up the academy of your life. Up your bloody. Are you being wankers. served towers? Yeah. Python, etc. <clears throat> <laughs> why are you? Lo- why are you looking at me, Dan? Uh, uh, damn busters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why were you looking at Stuart? I don't know. He's a handsome fellow. He is. Nice to look at. Anyway, we start in Britannia, and I know it's about Pompeii, but for some reason we start in Britannia, and here's the reason. Because Thulsa Doom's about to show up and uh, kill Conan's dad and mom. Pretty much, yes. So uh, the Romans are subduing the Celts, and in doing so they massacre a village, but they leave one boy alive by accident who has seen Keith or Harry Potter. (laughs) 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 Who's seen Keith or Sutherland. Uh, who plays Corvus, a Roman general who becomes a senator later on, uh, and his like nerdy and bodyguard, and he has and his nerdy bodyguard who apparently car wrinkles, his bodyguard, <laughs> his bodyguard who looks like a cross between like Paul Rubens and Jeff Goldblum and Eddie Deason and buff. Anthony Weiner and Anthony Weiner, yeah. who, who yeah. kind of looks like those guys he, already. He, he did look like Anthony Weiner, that's right. And uh, his name was like Trucules or something yeah, like that, Broculus. Broculus Trucules. It's when Broculus Mayhan Trucules. Yeah, he was based on Brock Mayhan <laughs> before he existed. Uh, that's former Flophouse guest host and great friend of us, Brock Mayhan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look him up. Hello, Brock. On the internet at brockmayhan.edu/slash/gov <laughs> plus or minus a b. Divided by the square root of two <laughs> equals X. Solve for X. Dot Tumblr. <laughs> so. So anyway, uh, Kiefer Sutherland and Trucules, Broculus, kill uh, Kiefer Sutherland as a boy. No, kill uh, this little boy's parents. Little boy escapes and is taken captive as a slave. And 17 years later, he has grown up to be Milo. <laughs> a, uh, Wait, turn- his name's Milo? Yeah, I'm just re- realizing that looking at the Wikipedia entry. I had no idea what most of the characters' names <laughs> were in this movie. But he turns it up, grows up to be Kit Harrington. I hope the other gladiator's name was Otis. <laughs> <laughs> and the end of the movie is the only way to escape Vesuvius is to transmorph into a dog and a cat. <laughs> Into a pug and a cat. And they go, pause, don't fail us now. <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. And they, one, and of them, one of them turns into a little helicopter and flies the other one to safety. Well, Milo I was say, there's uses a dog it. and a cat-shaped hole in the screen of the movie screen. <laughs> Milo uses his ears like helicopter blades yeah. and flies them above the smoking hot ash that's falling on the city. Like the eagles in Tolkien. <laughs> that's true. That's an accurate reference. Yeah, Thanks. it is in that thing. That's a thing. <laughs> so anyway, he grows up to be Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones. Okay. Uh, 
you mean <laughs> Kit Harrington sounds like a, a like a, a girl orphan <laughs> character. That's true. In like, yeah. in like, like a, from the depression, like, or like in Italy, like an Edwardian juvenile adventure novel. Yeah, there's a series of novels starring Kit Harrington. Or Kit Harrington is like a is like a girl gumshoe reporter. Well, she starts out as a boxcar child, and she works her way up to <laughs> to be the, president. Yeah, <laughs> the first little girl president, and she fights Hitler <laughs> in wow. a jacks tournament. Okay, <laughs> and she wins all his dollies, which leads him to invade Poland. Oh, wow, so the dark really, ending, yeah. Ultimately, she caused more harm. Oh, is, there's a reason they impeached her. <laughs> the re- <laughs> she was the it's first. an interesting impeachment based on things done as a little baby. <laughs> no, no, she was already president. She wasn't a baby? No, no, she was a little girl. She was like eight. Okay. High crimes okay, and that makes more against sense. the state. <laughs> anyway. High crimes and misdemeanor, the uh, cop's villain. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, misdemeanor was a villain? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> misdemeanor's a bad thing. And when my parents went to go see the movie Crimes and Misdemeanors, and I was a kid, I thought it was about that character. <laughs> anyway. Uh, sexy. So Milo, with no Otis, uh, is eventually grows up to be a gladiator called the Celt, who is owned by the best character in the movie, yep. a sort of foppish Dom DeLuise in History of the World Part 1. Uh, as you were saying, Stuart, he was basically, uh, what's the character from Futurama? Yeah, uh, uh, Hedonism he, Bot or whatever. He, Hedonism Bot. That's and, a, I was yeah. thinking about how, how great a joke that is on uh, <laughs> Futurama. I mean, number one, just like the, 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 like the character, but number two, the idea that someone created a robot <laughs> for the express purpose <laughs> of being hedonistic. Yeah. And he's like a robot couch that feeds himself <laughs> gr- grapes, right? Yeah. Or uh, something like that? Anyway. So great. But he's not in this either. But this no. slave owner is, and uh, he is leading him some. I guess the slaves are taking he, this guy he, he somewhere. He looks kind of like Guy Fieri's ancestor, basically. Yeah, but without the frosted tips. Uh, That's before they invented them. Yeah, back then when you wanted frosted tips, you had to put ice in your hair. Yeah, you had to climb uh, the mountains and fight frost giants <laughs> <laughs> to learn the secret of their hair. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, continue, I guess. So on the road while he's being brought to Pompeii, uh, Milo runs across a carriage carrying Cassia, played by Emily Browning, who is the daughter of Jared Harris as some big muckety-muck macher in Pompeii. Yeah. She's returning from Rome, and her horse dies or something? Her horse is hurt, and she convinces the slave owner to unlock Milo so that he can soothe the horse to death because being a Celt he knows horses and he manages to whisper to the horse until it gets distracted and then snaps yeah. its neck to put it out of its misery. Well, we should point out there's a there's a number of re- recurring uh, Flophouse favorites here. You got Emily Browning who was in Sucker Punch and The Uninvited. You got Jared Harris from The Quiet Ones. Keith Sutherland from, from Mirrors. You got uh, director Paul W.S. Anderson from The Three Musketeers. Oh, it's, it's a real flop coming. It's a flop reunion. Yeah, yeah who's flop coming queen? Uh, Emily Browning in this case, right? Yeah. You mean uh, with her crazy cheekbones that yes. were just slicing people up left and right? They were so sharp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, baby <laughs> cheekbones. She has really defined cheekbones to the point that I wanted her to use them as a weapon at the end. <laughs> sure. Like Kiefer Sutherland would swing a sword at her and she'd catch it on her cheekbone and push it away <laughs> and then slash at him with her cheekbone. You were worried that um, the Mount Pompeii would erupt because of the proximity to the gravitational pull of her enormous cheekbones. Yeah, and no, it was Mount Vesuvius. Pompeii is a city. It's not Mount, Mount Pompeii. <laughs> <laughs> Mount Pompeii. Oh, man. Should I watch the movie again? Uh, maybe just read up anything on it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, your punishment is to watch the movie again. Oh. But anyway, Cassia is taken with this slave. Long story short, uh, that's the the love triangle becomes Cassia, who has a crush on this slave who's becoming a famous gladiator, and who befriends <laughs> Adebisi, who was the previous star gladiator. Yeah. Uh, and Mr. The, Echo from Lost. And the, yeah. The third point in the triangle is Kiefer Sutherland, who returns to Pompeii, not returns, just shows up. He's now a big Roman senator with an army behind him. He has not aged a day. He has not aged a day, and neither has his Anthony Weiner sidekick. (laughs) No. And he, apparently Cassia, ran from Rome because Kiefer Sutherland wanted to marry her. Now he's there, and he's saying... And he and he's he's there as a possible investor in Jared Harris's uh, new building projects in Pompeii. And I have to admit, until two of the action scenes that came up later, the most exciting part of the movie was when Jared Harris was 
showing his proposed models uh-huh. to to Kiefer Sutherland to show him what kind of projects he should invest in. But I don't I don't know that that was like. But I don't know that was the content of the scene either, though. That was like you got two real ham bones hamming it up. Uh, yeah. Jared Harris and Kiefer Sutherland, and Kiefer Sutherland, uh, I enjoyed very much in this movie. Like he the is, more mustache twirly he got, the better. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. As the movie goes on, he becomes more and more cartoonish <laughs> and just smirks through everything. And like the movie needed more of that. Let's just say this while we're talking about it. This is a bland movie and it could have used more charming character. And uh, Kiefer Sutherland provides a little bit of that. The guy who plays the decadent gladiator owner provides a little bit mm-hmm. of that. The hero has is like a blank sheet of paper. Yeah. His gladiator pal is, is more His fun. His gladiator pal is more fun and has a more heroic uh, climax at the end. I kind of wish that instead of uh, Kit Harrington, uh, Milo's backstory, Go reporter. The yeah, the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of the uh, <laughs> the beginning of the movie had just been Kiefer Sutherland like actively pursuing uh, the uh, Emily Browning's character, like awkwardly pursuing her constantly in Rome, and her like rebuffing him. Yeah. So that we're like, man, what a jerk! And they played more of that up. Because I felt that stuff was way more exciting than any of the other gladiator than any of the bullshit. Conan the Conan the Barbarian gladiator ripoff stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's to make a long story short, it all comes to a head when uh, Milo has recognized the people who killed his family, uh, and for whatever he says, reason, hey, you don't I know you're from somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> didn't you kill someone I know? Uh, who was uh, it? He's like, probably I killed a million people. <laughs> No, 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 no. It was someone close to me. Uh, but the whole thing I'll is... Oh, I'm, I'm glad that he doesn't remember who <laughs> who he knows who got killed. Was it... No, it wasn't my teacher. I killed my teacher. Was it... Uh, oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, it was a man and a woman. My... Uh, Sonny and Cher. You killed Sonny and Cher, right? My favorite my song and dance team? personal assistant. <laughs> you killed my... Mu- Big Ego's moth, killed My moth, Sonny my bet moth. And my dad... <laughs> Dat, you killed my digital audio tape, right? <laughs> That's what it was. Why'd you do that? Stomped my mouth and broke my tape? All my archives were on that. I know it's going to break down eventually anyway. It's not a great archival format. But still, all the same. At least give me time to transfer it to something a little more permanent. Anyway, great to see. I'll get revenge later. Uh, how is the family? How are the folks? Still not married, huh? Jason Cassia. Well, let me tell Hey, I'm interested in her too. That's amazing. It's the cheekbones. Yeah, got to watch yourself. I got too close and it was like, shoot, I didn't even touch her and it still cut me somehow like a master swordsman ninja sword just slicing the molecules of air anyway i've tossed long enough i guess you yep. look like you got important business to do you got all these centurions and that guy looks like anthony weiner right next to you. he's looking pretty bored i know you got a lot of important business jared harris i think wanted to talk to you that guy is a really good actor he's got a little bit of the ham in him but still really great loved him on Swimming mad men it. when is mad men coming back am i really gonna have to wait until next year for all the episodes uh, but excuse me i'm chatting too much and i got a gladiator fight to get to Fight to the death. Oh, boy. Anyway, it's a living, as they say in the Flintstones. Now, is the Flintstones, how far away are we from that? Because we're still living in stone houses and wearing, like, togas mm-hmm. and, like, sandals a lot. and stuff. Like, are we cavemen or are we Romans? Or the, were they, what, age in the, what age of the world he's living now, in? Now, I, I don't understand. <laughs> like, era. where are we in, in relation to the Bible? Like, did that happen yet? Or, because I don't know. It's A.D., right? That happened That's after, after Flintstones. After Flintstones. That's yeah. what A.D. stands for, after the Flintstones. I'm jumping in here and I'm handling the Keithers part. <laughs> anyway, Keith but I'm, I, I'm rambling on, but that's me. I don't have a lot of people to talk to in the slave pits. So, what is new with you? What's going on? You look like you haven't aged a What is new with you? <laughs> you heard me. It's my favorite animal. <laughs> anyway, when you're a slave, you get, you're looking for anything that'll liven things up, and I found a picture of a canoe once. Just carry it with me. I'll show it to you right here if I can find like it. On a Not a lot of pockets in this toga, and yet I'm still having trouble finding it. Oh yeah, it was a drawn picture, but it was really photorealistic, which is a word I just used even though we don't have those yet. Like anyway, a, the thing about gnus is they're also like called wildebeests. But, I like, but I like calling them gnus because it's like, is it new? Is it gnu? I don't yeah, know. It's, it's a, a mystery. Fun, I and it. I love mystery. Speaking of, have you been watching Sherlock? Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh man, what a, what a hook. Sure. This is why Elliot was so good at, at playing Andy Rooney. Because <laughs> Andy Rooney would just do that stream of consciousness thing. With Annie Rooney? <laughs> the lovable girl from the Depression who complained. Yeah, Kit Harrington and Annie Rooney. 
<laughs> the sun will come out. But why does the sun have to come out? The moon will come out, but nobody sings songs about it. I guess there are a lot of songs about the moon now that I think about it, but I can't know all the songs. I don't have a digital don't audio tape in my head. No reason to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but that's the truth. The point is, it all comes to a head when everybody knows everybody else is there. Mount Pompeii explodes. No, no, it hasn't happened yet. It's okay. not called that. <laughs> They're in the arena. There's in the arena. There's this big gladiatorial contest, and uh, they've decided to simulate the battle, reenact the battle in which Kiefer Sutherland subdued the Celts. And they've arranged it so that our heroes, Milo and his friend, the other gladiator, Atticus, are going to die because they're playing the parts of the Celts. And Kiefer Sutherland says, you're going to give me your daughter's hand in marriage, or I'm gonna, not only am I not going to invest in your projects, I'm going to tell Emperor Titus that you were bad-mouthing him and you're all going to be hung to death. And so there's a big battle in the arena, so is, during like, this arena, this uh, this reenactment, does uh, Keith or Sutherland play the Robert he, Robert he, Robert he, Urich? Is that who was yeah, on Robert Unsolved? Urich. Who's on TV Unsolved Spencer Mysteries? For hire. Ro- uh, on Unsolved Mysteries is Robert Vaughn, isn't Ro- it? Yeah. Okay, then that guy. So no, wait, I don't Robert understand. Plant. I thought it was no, wait, a reenactment. Robert Plant is Robert the, Plant. Yeah, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know why. Robert Vaughn. I think Robert Vaughn was a different person. Look it up. Anyway, Robert okay. Wagner. Robert Wagner. Maybe that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Well, I'm not sure. Look it up, please. I'm thinking Bob Euchre. Anyway, why were you? What does that have <laughs> to do he with? He said a reenactment. So who's the guy who does all the setup and explains it to everybody? No, well, there's or, a there's a chorus. Oh, yeah, there's of a Greek masked chorus. speakers. Well, Roman chorus, I guess. Robert Stack, everybody. Oh, Robert Stack. He is Robert. Stack. A stack of Robert. Yeah, do you see the bazooms on that guy? <laughs> Under that, there are uh, so many Roberts. Trench coat. And we picked- None of them. I mean, None there are many the right Roberts ones. we could have picked that we didn't. Yeah, Robin Roberts. We didn't say that. Uh, Rock and Robert, tweet, brother Robert, tweet, Eric Roberts, etc. Yeah, Robert McCoy, Julia Roberts, uh, Robbie Robertson from the Spider-Man comics. <laughs> anyway, the point is, they have this big battle where in the this big faked battle, but it's real because it's gladiators that the heroes are supposed to die in, but through a ludicrous bunch of fighting, they manage to kill everybody who's thrown at them. Yeah, because they so, put the two toughest dudes on the on the loser side, and they put them on like a dudes. they put them on like a paper mache mountain, and they unleashed not your usual mayhem on all those people. <laughs> <laughs> not your usual mayhem, indeed. <laughs> anyway, I'm tired of your usual mayhem. Sick of it. I've seen it a million times before. <laughs> Let's have some crazier mayhem. Like, I don't know, we'll like throw like uh, watermelons at a good ghost. That's, that's at uncommon. a good ghost. <laughs> no, wait. Use a duck to beat up a robber or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's not Dude, usual. crazy mayhem. Not usual at all, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> they have this, and this is one of two scenes that I genuinely enjoyed. Okay. Which was this big battle scene. Now, part of that is because in ancient Roman times, they did do yeah, yeah, gladiator fights battles. that were reenactment of battles. They would flood the Colosseum and do naval battles. So at least they're taking the idea of a real thing and making a scene out of it. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, they really were making a scene. <laughs> <laughs> the, head, the head waiter should have ushered them out. It was ruining everybody's dinners. But the point is... It they they're trying to make a scene out of it, but it gets crazy bonkers. And what good fighters these guys are! Yeah, and the chains that seem to get longer whenever they need. They're to. chains to this paper mache mountain, and yet the chains do nothing to hinder their movements to the point that uh, it becomes a benefit. Where Milo is riding a horse around the arena, just clotheslining all the enemy soldiers with his chain. Uh, but during this fight, when things look like it's going to be lost and find some Ro- real Roman soldiers come in because Milo in- openly insults the Roman Empire, Kiefer uh, Sutherland sends real soldiers in. There's a battle, but then all throughout the movie, there's been little shocks leading up to the eruption of Vesuvius that start out like a horror movie. There's a like there's a servant who works for Cassia who's taking her horse out to drink at a river for what some reason. Yeah. And there's the ground rumbles up and swallows him up and the horse runs away. Mm. And then later the ground's rumbling around the horse and it looks like the volcano's trying to erase the witnesses <laughs> to the murder yeah, it committed. Yeah. Uh, so it's been leading up to this point and the only person who really noticed that there Spoiler seems to be... Spoiler alert, that horse is the only one who survives... Uh, the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Here's the thing. The only person who's noticed that, hey, the ground keeps shaking, maybe that's not a good thing, is the gladiator owner who is a total decadent hedonist. Yeah. So yeah. he wants to get the H out of Pompeii. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Hades. 
What? Hades. Hades. Yeah, he wants to get the Hades out of Pompeii. <laughs> so, but what? So while right before the bad guys are about to kill the good guys, Vesuvius erupts, and we get into the disaster portion. And now this is the portion of this type that's of movie. Like a good. That's almost the last half of the movie. I mean, I it's like the last forty minutes or so. Yeah, yeah. It's this is the this is the last this third is the of the real movie. Meat. This is the third act. It's the part in any of these movies where. They're, the natural disaster finally hits. Mm-hmm. The lovers and all are the separated. Petty concerns of man are put into are really thrown into yeah. Yeah, yeah stark relief. Tony Stark relief <laughs> in that Tony Stark needed to use the bathroom. You know, and now he's relieved. You know what, guys? Uh, man plans. God laughs. You know what I'm saying, guys? Mm-hmm. I mean, if Give the flan is funny enough, God laughs. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, if the man's like, I'm going to put a banana peel down, I'm going to slip on it and fall, God's like, that is rich. Yes. <laughs> Laughter forthcoming. Ha <laughs> ha. I don't know if that's much of a plan. Laughter achieved. <laughs> like, Dire- director. Pa- like, step A is put banana down. Step B is yeah. slip on banana. That's mm-hmm. the, it's a two-step plan. Step plan. C, fall. Look, how complicated yeah. does the plan have to be, Dan? Step Occam, D, profit. It's Occam's prank. The simplest prank is the best. Is the correct one. Yes. Yes, Stuart. At this point, Paul W.S. Anderson has set up all the dominoes and is ready to knock them down. <laughs> oh, yep. <laughs> master yeah, master story. Master telling. games keeper. Uh, so all the characters are separated. His intricate by- design. So oh. step one is immediately kill Jared Harris and Carrie Ann Moss. Mm-hmm. Which happens. Carrie Ann Moss plays Jared Harris. That's a rap on uh, Harris and Moss. Let's <laughs> 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 get this Mossy Harris out of here. <laughs> they call Carrie Ann Moss Mossy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mossy. <laughs> Please don't call me that. Hey, Mossimo. I know. How's that uh, Matrix coming? Well, it's over. Thanks. Hey, you mementoed anything lately? (laughs) That was one movie I made. And other movies you made would be? Uh, I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Even Carrie Ann Moss is looking up her IMDb page. (laughs) And like, what did I do? (laughs) Anyway. I'm curious. You are furious. (laughs) Yeah, the the natural disaster separates everybody. They've got to find each other. They've got to keep their petty fights going as the city around them is destroyed. And I will say this. A lot of this movie looked fake. Shock a lot, guys. Shock a lot. Oh, the Westkick Craven movie? (laughs) Shock a lot. (laughs) Disturbia. Oh, yeah, she was in Disturbia. Go on. A lot of this movie looked fake and cheap. Almost Mm -hmm. all of it. The actual erupting effects I thought looked really good. Okay. Like if this was a seven-minute movie that was just shots of Vesuvius erupting, I'd be like, that was a pretty good movie, but it's not. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to call a movie Pompeii, you got to have good shots of Pompeii blowing up. Yeah, it's the money shot. Yeah. Now, when you say Pompeii the, blowing up, you mean the city, Pompeii. <laughs> uh, that's going to be for you to figure out, Elliot. <laughs> Well, I've got to puzzle it out. We've got I a regular... set up some dominoes you have to knock it <laughs> We've got down. a regular House of Leaves going on right here. Yep. Uh, so... The, but then so the movie gets, it's just people running around and fireballs falling out of the sky. It gets pretty monotonous. <laughs> the characters are running around. Eventually, though, the uh, Atticus meets up with the henchman who looks like Anthony Weiner. And finally, Cassia and uh, Milo and Milo meet up with uh, Kiefer Sutherland. And you have two pretty good fights. They're not well, amazing. Action Some action sequences as fires falling all around. And this is when the special effects get so fake that they become fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it's like something out of like a like a music video from the early nineties. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to find consistency with our tastes, like the longtime listener, uh, first time fr- caller, maybe frustrated, uh, trying to like stack one opinion up of one movie up against the opinion of another movie. But the thing is, like that's a, that's a fool's game in the first place. It's true. Sometimes we complain about how stupid CGI looks. But sometimes stupid-looking CGI is so delightful yeah. that we can't help but be shocked. Yeah, after well, recently we watched that other Swords and Sandals movie, 300 Rise of an Empire, yeah. which had, by all means, better special effects, but they were not as much fun to watch. They were, no. It's like, well, it's like an Uncanny Valley thing where the better special effects get, the better they are, and the worse they get, the worse they are, except there's this one dip mm-hmm. or like a spike where it's like they get so bad that they're super enjoyable. Yeah, if you because they look to see crazy. Like, Emily Browning chained to a chariot that's rushing Emily away Browning from a using a fireballs. Splin- yeah. Emily Browning using a splinter of wood to pick the lock of her handcuff on a chariot as fireballs fly all around and everything is weirdly flattened and distorted and nothing looks like it's the same plane of reality. And it's like, uh, 
It's just it's just so it looks like you're watching Moulin Rouge or something, you mm-hmm. know. Everything there's all these yeah, weird Yeah, like characters riding in front of a backdrop. Mm-hmm. And there's and all Rambit these Robert comes out and sings like a virgin <laughs> yep. where we all go home happy. It's like there's all these weird like <laughs> zooms and slow-mo for no reason and bad CGI effects and it's like It's called the Paul guys, W.S. Anderson touch. Yeah, right? Are you guys familiar with the video art of Ryan Trekharton? I think his mm-hmm. name is pronounced. He did he did uh, a, an art video called A Family Finds Entertainment, which is crazy and there were parts of the end of Pompeii that reminded me of that this like homemade art video where he's using editing equipment to just make the screen explode into shards and things like that uh so i guess there when you go you start with uh with a uh, youth queer artist home uh homemade video art and a big budget sword and sandal <laughs> action adventure and this is the point where the two converge in terms of the quality of their special effects and, and that's it, kind of a beautiful moment. Yeah, exactly. And it's punctuated that's what's called by the G spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard For to find. Great how you find it, <laughs> but uh, and it ends in a sword fight with uh, Kit Harrington, girl spy, and uh, <laughs> and Keith or Sutherland. Who knows? And also, and Atticus has his sword fight with Anthony Weiner. Yeah, uh, where and uh, everyone's swallowed up. Well, there's those swallowed up by Ash. Uh, Keith or Sutherland gets chained to a wall and Kit Harrington and uh, Emily Browning escape on a horse. Kiefer Sutherland is destroyed, covered in hot, fiery ash. Mm-hmm. And they get to the outskirts of town and I guess just get off the horse and Kit Harrington... No, the, the, the horse, horse bucks and yeah, rears. Oh, right, because a fireball off. almost like, kills you're them. slowing me down, dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish, no, I just See wish it was later. a wise-cracking horse like in racing stripes <laughs> or hot to trot. Or a doggo. Does it? Yeah, no, Hidalgo, the horse does not talk. Okay, I haven't or seen it yet. Seabiscuit? <laughs> sure. No, again, no talking horses in that. I mean, it's named Seabiscuit. It should He's be like, like a I joke. see a biscuit, I eat it. It's me, Seabiscuit. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> see you later. I gotta run this race now. Seabiscuit. Seabiscuit out. <laughs> He's got tired of how he keeps making it in the third person. I don't think the Oscar chances for this movie are holding up. It's me, the most popular racing horse of the Depression. See you, Biscuit. (laughs) See you later. Biscuit. (laughs) (laughs) It's my new character. Uh, But anyway, uh, Kit Harrington, they fall off. Kit Harrington says, Cassia, you ride this horse. It's not fast enough to carry us both. And she goes. And you're thinking, oh, they're going to Titanic They're going to pull a Titanic, and she's going to survive. And 100 years later, she's going to throw a, a necklace into <laughs> Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> As an old lady, she's going to take her daughter to Mount Vesuvius and throw a necklace in and go, ooh. When she does it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but no, she smacks the horse in the butt as if to say, run away, I'm sexually harassing you. And the horse does. <laughs> and she says, I don't want to live without you or something. And uh, they, instead of, he, she keeps looking at the, mount, at the eruption and he says, no, look at me, look only at me. And they kiss and are covered in ash and are forever immortalized as lovers in mid-kiss. They turn into ash people. As they become a living statue that is dead. That's shot in like QVC fashion right before the credits Yeah, roll. there's like a rotating camera around <laughs> sure, it. Yeah. This you beautiful this. <laughs> ash statue can be yours. These this Pompeii moments. <laughs> these ash-covered corpses could be yours for only $499.99. You know what? If you call in the next 10 minutes, $7.00. <laughs> We're going to cut over $300 off this wow, price. Wow, only $7. And nobody was buying it. Okay. And speaking uh, of well, not buying it. shipping is $49.99. <laughs> oh, wow, what a Shipping rip. is $700,000. <laughs> you can either buy shipping for that or you can buy a screenplay from me. Either way, your choice, Hollywood. So, uh, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's, it's like a pretty boring rote movie, and then there's two scenes, I would say, that are, like, just crazy enough to work. Yeah, I feel like well, we should get we should go to final judgments now. I was kind of segueing into that, whether yeah. it's a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked. Elliot, you're already saying stuff about it, so why don't you continue saying I the thing that you were saying? It's like ninety percent bad bad. No, ninety three percent bad bad. Seven <laughs> percent good bad. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, There's th- such potential at the end for this to have been a crazy bonkers movie, and they just. They're putting it off as long as it. You know what it feels like? It feels like Doctor Jekyll for almost two hours struggling not to let loose Mister Hyde. Mm-hmm. And the last fifteen minutes, he's like, "Fuck it, I'll just let Mister Hyde out." And everyone's like, "Yeah, this is what we wanted to see." This is what Larry keeps coming around for. <laughs> That's why Larry's totally into you. 
Well, not uh, you, but Hyde. But you're Hyde. So I guess he's into you. Yeah, I, I didn't like the first two thirds of this movie. I was so bored by them. The last third, I would go so far as to say I kind of liked it. Uh, but it got super hammy, which yeah, helps it was kind too. of fun and exciting at the end. Uh, you know, I'll give a, you know what I'll give a good review to going to see the actual Pompeii. I saw it when I was in Italy. Very interesting. I'd like to see it. I've never been there. It's fascinating. I mean, do you feel bad being a tourist in someone else's misfortune? I mean, it's so far ago now. Uh, I mean, like you does that make the, them not human beings? I mean, has the statute of it. limitations on compassion run out? Do you feel that way when you go see a mummy in the fucking museum? <laughs> uh, the mummy was an aristocrat who enslaved others. I've got no mercy for All him. Right. Yeah. No, but it is fascinating too. Also, they're super scary. <laughs> and uh, I it's stole all his gold, and I don't want him to come after me. It's yeah. a whole so city I'm be preserved. When I'm, when I'm looking at a mummy in a museum, I'm throwing a shitload of holy water on him so he doesn't get up and strangle me. Yeah. Sure. Turn into a bunch of scarabs or something. <laughs> but it's <laughs> so it's a holy city. No it's, a, no, it's a, it's an amazing. Oh, it's a whole, whole city, city preserved in time. It's a city full it's, of holes. The steel's canoptic jar. Get that. It's worth it. It's worth it. And now you've got his car, and he so, wants it back. Uh, save up the money you would have spent on seeing Pompeii, and then add several thousand dollars to it. <laughs> throw and it, buy a throw ticket it in to change Italy. into your travel jar. And when there's <laughs> and enough there to go to Pompeii, Pompeii, go see it. Just don't go when Vesuvius is erupting, because no. you'll turn into an ash man. That'd be bad mm-hmm. news. Ashman Crothers. Stu, what, what do you have to say? I'm an Ashman. You guys all know that about me. <laughs> yes. Dan's and other people's wives' Ashes man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say this is a bad, bad movie. Uh, I wasn't quite as charmed by the hammy moments, and I was hoping for more, obviously. Uh, there was that great shot where Kit Harrington is about to deface the Roman eagle, and it cuts like a, a quick cut zoom on Kiefer Sutherland's face, and he's like, he's not going to. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, now it was garbage. Yeah. Right. Hey, everybody. I'm Emily. And I'm Lisa. We co-host Baby Geniuses every other Monday on Maximum Fun. We interview comedians, musicians, cartoonists, circus clowns, and experts in the field of... Vacations, the afterlife, cool, recipes, self-improvement, fashion, candy, beach boys, girls, turtles, twists, women dating, fitness, president, thermal, removal, conflict resolution, Santa, meditation, babies, modern dinosaurs, fully in crop circles, the Beatles, middle-aged men, experts, teens, life hacking, rhyming, baby talk, personal organization, the named extra, Frasier, extreme eating, groceries, being a best friend, movement, jam, art education, America's Funniest Home Videos, stockbroking, spooky stories, genealogy, riddles, Pinterest, IT, magic, revenge, mothering, dogs, ayahuasca, Hollywood legends, street racing, fitting in, celebrity sex, the occult, personal training, the ocean, Dennis the Menace, modern poetry, sugar gliders, Jimmy Buffett, Franks, The Tonight Show with Gun, Johnny Carson, Mountain Dew, Theme Park Safety, dinner, bu- dinner parties, butterflies, raccoons, pasta shapes, and Bob Dylan. Join us every other Monday! Yay! I listen to Bullseye for the moment when Jesse asks an artist an insightful question, and the artist goes, oh, huh, and pauses. And you can hear in the pause that he is reassessing his own work in light of the question that Jesse just asked. Bullseye's your guide to what's good from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Before we move on to letters, a few quick announcements, uh, as is often the case. Uh, On December the 13th, uh, as I mentioned before, I will be appearing at the Slate Movie Party uh, in Videology in Williamsburg. Uh, that's at 6.30. Um, they w- there will be information about that up, I hope, soon on the Flophouse website. Details are sketchy You said, I hope point. soon, as if anyone other than you is going to be putting that up. Uh, no, I just like, meant... If we can get our tech guy, Jasper, no. <laughs> on it. <laughs> I just meant that I hope for the benefit of our audience that that information will be available to them soon. So, yeah, put it up there, dude. I'm waiting on Slate. <laughs> To uh, give me the final uh, deets, as the kids say. But um, he was trying to avoid talking shit about slates. Yeah, and I see. Right push right into this party. Um, but well, hey, yeah, man, come if, see if that. honesty is your policy, you didn't have to worry about that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Dana Stevens of uh, Film Creative Slate will be the host, and we'll have other guests. Um, but if you want to see all of the Flophouse crew, and you'll why have to wait. You? We're good looking until January 9th. January 9th. January 9th. Why do you? Uh, like at the Bell House. Dan, if you write this stuff down I don't and read it, it then it's easy to remember. But January 9th, 10 p.m., yeah, the Bell, Bell House, House, Brooklyn. All three floppers for the first ever live Flophouse episode recording. Yeah. Featuring mm-hmm. you, the listener in the audience. If you've got an irritating laugh, 
you'll know yeah, you're totally there. Totally buy a ticket and show up. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when you go <laughs> and you hear it on the podcast, <laughs> you'll know you were there. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be you buy your tickets online now because one, they're cheaper if you buy them ahead of time, and two, they are selling out fast. They're selling pretty quick. They're right? selling yeah. at a good clip. So if you want to go and you're on the fence, buy a ticket and go. Uh, I overheard. I was literally sitting behind the organizer of this uh, uh, podfest at an event that Elliot and I got to see uh, John uh, John Hodgman interviewing John Cleese, and I overheard. Uh, him talking about now you how. said that as if we went together you were sitting behind him i was sitting way in the back because well, we went neither of you guys told me about job because <laughs> uh, i had to leave i work was a lowly rider i got to leave work earlier than the head rider so i got better seats yeah but i was sitting he behind was like dan i need your input on the script dan <laughs> dan, <laughs> just dan, dan died five years ago <laughs> But I literally Dan McCoy, <laughs> but he died eighty years ago. I literally <laughs> some say they can still hear him sighing in the night. Is that the creaking of the trees or the creaking of his knees? <laughs> Women still say they can feel his spectral hand on their buttocks, <laughs> and they do not appreciate it. Hand. Spectral hand. Okay. I overheard a man. <laughs> special hand, not the other one, the boring one, <laughs> the, good the special one. one. Uh, I, over- one. I overheard a man uh, who did not know that I was sitting behind him and was one of the co-hosts. Didn't of know the he show. was sitting in front of Kit Harrington, girl spy. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about how well these tickets to the Flophouse show were selling. So if you want, on I believe board, he compared them to a certain type of cake yeah, of sure. the heated variety. Yeah. So uh, get on that, guys, if you're interested. January 9th, 10 p.m. Friday. Flophouse, Live, Bell House, New York Podfest. Buy your tickets now. And I think we have another thing to, to pro- plug, don't we? Yeah, yeah. in December, uh, for Flophouse fans who like to read stuff, I know <sighs> I there's a few out there. Uh, Dynamite Comics is putting out a uh, the Flash Gordon holiday special featuring three short stories written uh, by the three of us. It's one for each of us. all Flophouse written holiday special. And now these are not Flophouse stories. These are Flash Gordon stories. These are Flash Gordon stories. Yeah. Savior of the universe. <laughs> yeah. He'll save every one of us. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's coming out in December. I think early December, but I'm not totally sure. I, I don't uh, know the exact date, but pre-order it through your comic book store or yeah. tell them to reserve a copy for you and if they'll you hold it. If you Google Flash Gordon Holiday and our names, you can uh, find a site that will allow you to pre-order it. Mm-hmm. On the internet. And if you Google Flesh Gordon Dan McCoy, you'll find some video that's horrifying. You shouldn't watch it. <laughs> no, I uh, I think you should watch it. Uh, that's that's what I like. <laughs> no, gross. Uh, so the Flash Gordon Holly special, and just for me, if you want to read something written by just one flopper, December also sees the release of the first issue of Spider-Man and the X-Men, number one, written by me, coming from Marvel Comics. Elliot Kalin, taking over comics. Taking over comics, two books at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but now... The moment you've all been waiting for. What moment's that, Dan? Letters from listeners. That's you guys, the listeners. You're the listeners. We're the guys who read the letters from you, the listeners. (laughs) Listeners are you, and we are the hosts. Let's just get this straight. You're too big for your britches, listeners. You write us letters. You think we have to read them. Well, we don't. So you sit down. (laughs) You sit down, sir. Sir, sir. Sir, do I have to call security? Sir, sit down, sir. Sir, there's a show going on. But, sir, excuse me, excuse me, sir. But, excuse me, sir. But, that kind of language is uncalled for. But, sit down, sir. Uh, sir, sit down, sir. But, sir, sir. I. But, we do not have to serve you, sir. But, sir, sir. You are getting loud, uh, and the performers don't appreciate it, and I don't appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> You and your date are going to have to leave. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, sir, uh, security, can we remove these, please? Please. From you, the <laughs> listeners today. Was that the security? That was the security. Oh, I thought you said scaredy. <laughs> like, is that the security guy? Yeah, his name's... Old scaredy. We call him scaredy. It's ironic because he's not scared of anything. Uh, so this first letter is titled, You're never going to believe this, guys. Parentheses, it's about the hat. And it goes like this. Wait, hold on a second. Is this the guy who lost his hat? Yeah. The hat's gone again. <laughs> How did you lose it again? <laughs> no, I'm not joking. Lock that hat up. And I'm not baiting you to get it on the podcast again. The hat is seriously gone. First, they shrink the kids, blow up the kids. What the fuck, man? <laughs> no. They blow up themselves. No, they shrank themselves. <laughs> what? That, that was the uh, the movie about terrorists. Honey, I blew up myself. 
Were you going to... Boom. That was like a Jeff Dunham level <laughs> joke. <laughs> so for listeners who are just coming into this ongoing saga, a guy wrote in who had lost his hat. He wrote in later to say he had found his hat. Mm. Apparently he lost it again. Yeah, he says, I didn't wear it in winter because it's a baseball cap. <laughs> and I have winter cats that are warmer than a baseball cap. So I wore those hats instead. Not at the same time, mind you. I'd pick one winter hat and Sir, then wear that I'm, in winter. I'm revoking your license to wear hats. <laughs> I'm taking away your double O hat status. But keep writing. But I don't think the hat is missing. I think the hat has been stolen. I've narrowed down my list of suspects from the initial 32 to 16. So I'm making progress. <laughs> Top of my list is my neighbor, Howie. He's really old, and I think he's had kidney stones for like a year and a half, which is not good for you. TV's Howie. So I long. hope he gets that out soon, unless he took my hat, in which case I hope that thing balloons to the size of a pumpkin and his wife has to roll him around on a wheelbarrow. Whoa. whoa. I've invented a new device called a wheelbarrow. It's a replacement for car tires made basically of an empty barrel. They break super easily and mostly just destroy cars' undercarriages. In any case, here's a photo of me wearing the hat when I was in Boston a long time ago. Describe it, Dan. No, I, I don't have to. Here, I'm going to show it to you. I mean, it's, No, describe it to the listeners, well, Dan. Well, it's just... <laughs> they can't I mean, see it when you hold up a picture to it's, me. Uh, it seems to be a typical uh, cap of the baseball style. It doesn't appear to be... <laughs> of the baseball an actual, style. It doesn't seem to be promoting any uh, baseball... It does. Uh, uh, it's does hard seem... to tell if there's a logo on there or not. Yeah, the angle is very so. bad. The person wearing it has at least one it looks eye. A little floppier than a normal baseball cap, like now, a softer type of fabric, maybe. I don't think that's the case. Canvas? I think it's just been bent over time. You think? Now look, it's been well loved. He mentions that he was wearing the hat in Boston a long time ago. So Bostonians, you'll you'll recognize this yeah. hat. You'll have the scent. So I guess go sniff it out. Yeah. Uh, anyone in Boston? See which one of the sixteen Ronin you took it. It's a baseball <laughs> cap. Right in. Let us know. We're going to get to the bottom of this. No, we won't. <laughs> together, you together, you and us, you and we. You're on the flop hats. All of us are going to solve this thing. You and me and everyone we know It's going to find this hat. All That's right. what that movie's about, right? Yeah. So th- uh, thank you for writing in. Nope. We'll- <laughs> <laughs> Next letter uh, is titled Foggy Friday, Slightly Soggy Saturday, Wet Wednesday, too cold for a tube top Tuesday? Yes, you're correct, Elliot. This is an email about Misty Monday. I don't know why. I mean, I feel like... Uh, I feel like Dan... I mean, we we all are familiar with her work, but I feel like Dan's the only one who has been in contact with her in some way. Yeah. Maybe, I, maybe the, the writer of the letter is negging Dan to make Dan yeah. feel bad. Oh, in that case, mission accomplished. Look at him. He's crying in his boots. <laughs> crying, crying in, in his, his boots. boots. <laughs> uh, Collects the tears in his snuffy boots. Yeah. Smith. And then Lulu comes up over and sniffs him like she had Hallie's boots that one time. Uh, I've recently started listening to your back catalog. It's weird. And I do a headphone double take every time you mention Misty Monday. Prepare to be jealous, boys, because I've had one of the greatest conversations of my life with the aforementioned starlet. Before I get into that conversation. You the tarp over here? <laughs> Yes, uh, these are the, the most absorbent tarps that we have, ma'am. <laughs> How many women did you say would be on this tarp? Six? Mm, you're pushing the maximum load. But. No, I'll just clean it off with bleach. It's simple. <laughs> just pour a shitload of bleach. Yeah. Nah, don't worry about mixing water with now, it. I thought Take you it in s- your back and spray it down with a hose. Now, I thought you were saying this. <laughs> Take it in the back and spray it down. <laughs> Now, I thought you were saying this this softcore pornographic film of yours took place in some kind of Middle-earth setting. Do you worry about how you're going to explain the tarp? No? Okay. No? All right. Well, that's the best one we got. It's a tarp master. Let's see what the the warranty says. Uh, More than four lesbians at once kind of voids the warranty. I hope you're okay with that. I mean, it's, it's not an expensive tarp, but... You would be able to return it if it was only three lesbians that broke it. Mm-hmm. One of the ring wraiths is going to have to not be on the tarp. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, this conversation. <laughs> the ring uh, before I get into the conversation, let me back up a bit. My boring day job consists of sculpting action figures for video games and comic book movies, That doesn't et sound boring at all. Every once in a while. Is this Randy Bowen? <laughs> <laughs> One of my coworkers does some sculpting for a science fiction or horror film, and I think, hey, that sounds like fun. Maybe I could do that someday. Well, that day came a few years ago. I got a call that a B-horror film needed a bunch of classical nude male sculptures, prefer- preferably muscular and in slightly homoerotic poses. I had about five sculptures fitting that description ready to go. When I dropped off the sculptures <laughs> Just on already? Set, I guess. You know, Just for a rainy day. Around. Yep. I got- His apartment is a Zalman King set. 
Uh, when I dropped off the sculpture on set, I got invited to be an extra in a few scenes. While waiting around for a scene, I started talking to Misty Monday. Now, at this point, I had no idea who Misty Monday was or the nature of her oeuvre. All I knew was she was a cute girl, and this was a splatter flick. This was our entire conversation. Me. So are you going to get killed in this scene? Misty. No, but I do get a death scene. We're filming it in a few days. Me. Nice. How do you check out? Misty. I get stabbed in the pussy. <laughs> Me. Silence. <laughs> At that point, I started to realize what kind and of movie this was going to be. And then she went, show business. <laughs> in case you're wondering, it does contain ding-dong ripping incest and a plethora of real New Jersey bodybuilders. The name of this movie? Sculpture. Alex, last name withheld. I don't know that movie. So, um, I'm really only familiar with her seduction cinema work. Yeah. I mean, she has well, a, check yeah. it out, though. It sounds like a pretty good recommendation. Yeah, sure. It's got ding-dong rip-offs. Homoerotic <laughs> <laughs> sculptures, everything you want in a movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I mainly look for in my movies. Yep. King Kong? No thanks. <laughs> no homoerotic sculpture in this. <laughs> but a real brush with greatness. <laughs> thanks for letting us know. So real, what, real Hollywood tales mm-hmm. here yeah. on the Flophouse. True yep. Hollywood stories. So I guess if Misty Monday is listening, <laughs> tell us if that story actually happened. We need or corroboration. Just come visit. You know, be on the show. Uh, yeah, sure. A, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Brown. I guess we could just start. Us. Is this an official invitation? Yeah, no. This is official. If Wait, we can just knows, start inviting people to be on the if show. If anyone knows Aaron I mean, Brown, I guess so. Tell her to come. Uh, tell her about the podcast. I'm gonna start working on. Who knows? I mean, Mads yeah, Mikkelsen, cool. invite him on. Sure. Whoa! No kidding. Yeah, ask him to come on. Both of them at the same time. Mad about Mads yeah. about Misty Monday. Mads, Mads, Mads about Monday and uh, Misty Monday. Nay, Aaron Brown. What about Udo Kier? Udo Kier, if you're listening, come yeah, on the I show. Mean, he's got some free time. I David Byrne. <laughs> David Byrne, come, come on, on the show. All of our heroes. Wait, you didn't say Gabriel Byrne because I don't want yeah. him to come on the show. No, 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 Gabriel Byrne. He's probably got some stories about Miller's Crossing, but they're probably, cool. probably tell some very boring. I only want to ask him about Cool World. <laughs> <laughs> was it cool what, to make? What cool was it like world? to have sex with a cartoon? <laughs> did you guys? Where was your, it awesome? Where did your penis go when you had sex with a cartoon? What happened? I mean, Misty Monday could probably answer that too. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> this last letter. Is from uh, PJ, last name withheld. Funny Bunny. <laughs> it's titled, Recasting Gary Oldman's Dick. I'm growing increasingly concerned about the Flophouse's ongoing obsession with Gary Oldman's shriveled, unimpressive penis. We mentioned it like once. Far be it from me to claim you doth protest too much, but you have to be so negative. If Gary Oldman's penis had such a harmful impact on the Scarlet Letter... Why not provide some constructive criticism? <laughs> As you'll recall, Stewart has already spoken uh, admiringly about Michael Fassbender's penis. Yeah. Elliot would probably enjoy seeing Sly Stallone returning to his early pornographic roles. And Dan is a homophobe. Not singular. true. But what celebrity Faust could have saved this movie? Obviously, the castle freak is out. Maybe the world would like to see Vincent Gallo's penis unobscured by Chloe Sevigny. <laughs> A massive uh, prosthesis. Is that how you pronounce that? I don't know. A massive <laughs> prosthesis. I love Boogie Nights. Regardless, I see a real business opportunity for the Flophouse in opening a male nudity version of Mr. Skin. I think it already exists, but this is it's off the top of my Mrs. head. Skin. <laughs> but you could call it Mr. Foreskin, and the logo would be just be the Flophouse logo, but you'd all be wearing turtlenecks. <laughs> my main concern is that the site would break up the gang as Ding Dong Gate would finally tear you apart, debating whether or not to include the Castle Freak. If you go forward with it, I demand $700,000 in repayment for providing the ideas. So it's always $700,000. TJ, last name withheld. Funny bunny. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm on record as being a Gary Oldman apologist. Specifically for his penis? For his penis. Specifically okay. for his penis. What record is this? He was saying that because it's uh, is it's it's not a wreck. cold lake. Is that lake. gold record that it's they put on the satellite lake. and sent into space? He's swimming sure. around on a cold lake. You cannot judge a man's penis by... Uh, you don't have to use a cold lake... I mean, but it's so still just flaccid. for a cold lake scene. Well, I've seen a, impressive a flaccid, flaccid penises in yeah, movies. Yeah, but, but, but a, fla- but a flaccid penis rooms. gives no. You can't judge. A, and in my own life, every time I look in the mirror. Sure, boom. <laughs> so you're I'm, saying that Gary. So Dan is on the record saying Gary Oldman is a grower, not a shower. Exactly. Sure. Look, Gary Oldman's penis is fine. I'm just saying it's not the kind of penis that would drive a Puritan woman to mad, mad, mad desire. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
to masturbate in the bath while a comely serving lady uh, looks, looks on, on puckishly. <laughs> was, yep. was there like a magic butterfly or something? Am I, I remembering I that correctly? The, like a magic bird? <laughs> there was a yeah, it was a bird or something. Yes, like representing sex. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The red bird of sex. The red mm-hmm. bird of sex. The blue bird of, of unhappiness is uh, more, much more popular sister. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but recasting Gary Oldman's penis. Um, I mean, just take a plaster cast of it so we have it for history. Uh, we could, I, maybe we could recast it yeah. with like the weasel from Food Fight. <laughs> <laughs> kind of look like a penis. What yep, about one of the shy halud from Dune? <laughs> what about like lowly worm from the Richard Scarry books? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give Got a lot of personality. <laughs> There's a little hat with it's a feather cute. in it. Now, if Demi Moore was penis. stumbling through the forest and saw Gary Oldman and his penis had a little hat with a feather on it, mm-hmm. I could. She would have to run to that bathtub to masturbate, or else she's just doing it in the woods right there. Yep. Or maybe we could go down to an Aztec temple and summon Quetzalcoatl. Ah, the winged serpent, huh? And videotape it, and then stick that in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yep. And now, or, uh, you know what, Beaker. Just, yeah. just stuff Beaker on him. <laughs> and so his penis is going, wee, 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 wee. It's a very uh, selfish penis. All it cares about is me. Not what about her needs? <laughs> oh. oh, Dan, did you just kick me in the gut with your words? Oh, I gotta, oh boy. I gotta sit the rest of this episode out. <laughs> you know, nothing makes me happier. Oh. Like, the one thing that makes me oh, happier God. than a laugh from Elliot Ugh. is the sound of of moans of pain. <laughs> Anything that makes oh, you man. drive yeah. Elliot away from comedy in its <laughs> oh, entirety. It's a good thing I already had a child because I don't think I can have one anymore <laughs> after that joke. Um, so uh, this is the last segment of the show. It's where we recommend movies that we actually liked rather than Pompeii. I'm going to go first because I think this is going to be a controversial recommendation. <laughs> Pompeii. Don't they speak. I'm going to recommend... <laughs> A movie that I don't necessarily think is a particularly good movie, but it's one that it's I've had cool a lot of fun watching. <laughs> I've already recommended that. <laughs> Whenever I come across uh, this movie on television, uh, I usually stop, watch it for a while. <laughs> Drop, and thank you, baby. Up yeah. <laughs> open up shop, you said? Yeah, yeah, DMX. Oh, I don't know that one. Uh, it's a movie is about... Is that a bike? <laughs> DMX bandits? Yeah. <laughs> it's another movie about a volcano erupting... In a highly populated city, and it's called Volcano. <laughs> All right, Starring basic title: Tommy Lee Jones, Thomas and Leeworth Anne Jones, Hache. and Annette Hache. Uh That was at the height of her popularity, right? When she was yeah. was she the former Mrs. Ellen DeGeneres then, or not yet? Uh, I don't know. I don't know whether there's this was either pre or during Ellen DeGeneres. Okay, this was not post her uh, relationship with Ms. DeGeneres, but this uh, this was. Uh, uh, it's a silly disaster movie, but it builds nicely. Um, the ridiculousness of it is all fun. I enjoy <laughs> the fact that they use concrete barricades to uh, make lava flow down to the ocean. That's their big plan. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is barking out orders as L.A.'s like disaster I want you to search every hen house, dude, dog house, cat house for this volcano. I just remembered a lot of it took place in a subway tunnel, and then some dude got all melted by yeah. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's It's got fun, like... It's got fun volcano effects. Yeah, and, like, man. Sound mixing and hey, man, shit. if you it's like it... fun, bro. If you like it, go with it. You At know? the end of it, there's a big volcano in the middle of L.A., and they play I, I Love L.A. over the credits. Yeah. Fun. No, it's it's fun. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's a laugh. It's a larf. It's a it's a larf. Check your brain at the door. Yeah, yeah. No, literally. I mean, in this case, actually, check your brain at the door. But you'll mm-hmm. have a lot more fun watching it than Pompeii. So it's a good bad movie. Uh, you know, it's a movie I kind of like. Okay. I know it's bad, but I still enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, just All pop right. some red and boggers. Yeah. <laughs> Stick it up your <laughs> you ass. The, the, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! What Dan. is going on? Are you a volcano drunk? <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so... Dan uh, is not sick anymore, <laughs> yet somehow he still doesn't make sense. Um, am I allowed to recommend a movie now? I, I hope so, okay. please. So, Who knows, Dan, any minute Dan's going to start sticking things up butts. I'm going to recommend a New Zealand horror comedy that uh, I think should be made available in most streaming services. I think you can rent it in most streaming services now. It's called Housebound. 
Um, it is a interesting little horror comedy, uh, basically a haunted house uh, story about a young woman with, who has a criminal background who is sentenced to house arrest in her mother's house. Um, and she realizes that her crazy mother, uh, that the stories her crazy mother tells about the house being haunted might actually be true. Um, and the interesting things, they, they do some good stuff with playing with the actual space, like the limitations of being actually uh, under house arrest with an ankle monitor. And uh, the, the lead is very charming, and she's also very capable um, but like a lot of, uh, like a lot of horror comedies after the, you know, the setup is great and the first two thirds are, are a lot of fun and it kind of drags in the final third. It could probably mm. use some editing, but, uh, there's also a couple of good scenes of really gory stuff. So I like that. So a couple of qualified recommendations. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to give two unqualified recommendations. Do it. The first is a movie that I hadn't thought originally about recommending tonight, but it's a similar type of movie to what we watched. It's not based on a real natural disaster, but it's based on real-ish types of things. Uh, and that's the movie The Hurricane, directed by John Ford. This is the 30s The Hurricane, not the movie The Hurricane starring Denzel Washington about Hurricane Carter. Mm-hmm. This is Based a movie- on the Bob Dylan song. <laughs> yes, yeah. And the drink. The song is based on a real person, too. But no, this is, so. this is The Hurricane with uh, directed by John Ford with John Hall, Dorothy Lamore, and a number of... Star character actors of Hollywood's yesteryear, such as C. Aubrey Smith, Thomas Mitchell, Raymond Massey, John Carradine. It's got a great cast. And me, Seabiscuit. <laughs> no. Nope. World's most popular horse. <laughs> nope, not in it at all. And it's about See you a, later. Uh, to, to a uh, man and woman who love each other on a Polynesian island. Uh, the man is goaded by, he's a sailor, and he's goaded by a racist white man in a uh, What, in what a does bar. goaded mean? Like he gets turned into a goat? Yeah, yeah, he gets turned into a goat. Goaded. No, he's, he's, he's taunted. He's goaded and he's taunted into fighting and is thrown in jail. And he, he tries he, he tries to escape. Into <laughs> he tries to escape to get back to the woman he loves. And each escape tacks more time onto his sentence. And so he's ground down by the system until finally a hurricane is going to arrive on his island. Right when he escapes, finds successfully. And the hurricane scenes are when they hit are genuinely frightening to me. I felt like there's every, it's this weird thing because it's a movie from 1937 so that you'll see one shot that looks super fake and then another shot edited a second later in that looks very real and is very scary. Like it looks like these people are in danger from this hurricane. And so a lot of the effects hold up really well, not all of them. It's a very, you know, naive, simplistic tale of love between kind of what Hollywood's idea of Tahitian villagers would have been at the time. Uh, but it's a really good old-fashioned kind of like pulpy romance adventure movie of a type that Pompey wants to be and doesn't quite pull off. So The Hurricane I'd recommend based on this movie, but also I was originally going to recommend a movie I saw recently that I liked called The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith, which is an Australian movie from the late 70s about uh, that takes place at the turn of the 20th century, and it's a based on a novel that was based on a adapted from a true story about a an Aborigine who was raised by white parents and tried to do his best to kind of make something of himself in the Australia of the time, which was at the time horrifically racist against Aborigines. Now I guess it's just maybe a little bit. But uh, he is so beaten down by the system that he snaps and commits a horrifically violent crime and has to go on the run and is being hunted down by the Australian police and army. And so it it manages to tell uh, like an anti-racism story in a way that doesn't feel totally heavy-handed and stupid and dull. And there are a lot of very affecting scenes in it. And the lead guy, who I think was not a professional actor when he made the movie, is really good in it as Jimmy Blacksmith. So the hurricane for adventure for fans of uh, weather and weather-based adventures, and the chant of Jimmy Blacksmith for, for fans of blacksmiths. For fans of blacksmiths. <laughs> how's, uh, how's the weather in that? Uh, it's pretty nice mostly. There's a few rainstorms, but otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, for Only. fans of older Australian films. All right. We well, did it, dudes. Yeah. Another uh, sword and sandal movie down. Dude, can we if not we watch any more of these? Maybe they'll stop. Oh, you. man. Of uh, all the inexplicably returning trends, sword and sandal is a weird well, one. Well, here, here, here's a good, uh, here's something to keep your spirits up. Uh, I think next episode we'll do the uh, contest winner uh, listener choice from our uh, Song of the Autumn 
And that uh, choice was. Uh, are we going to say I ahead think, of time? No, let's let's keep it a surprise for now. Yeah. Okay. But it's not another assume, Hercules let's movie. Let's just right? assume it's Ghostbusters, and yeah. that we're going to have a great time watching <laughs> yeah. it. And we'll have no criticisms of it, and we'll just spend an hour talking. The about criticism will like that will, the only criticism will be that Ghostbusters three hasn't gotten off and been mm-hmm. made yet because the world is calling out for a third Ghostbusters. I thought it was that Save Another Day song or whatever. Saving the day. Saving the day. Yeah. Save another day. <laughs> Save another That's day. That's for the fucking sequel or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The James Bond Ghostbusters crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow um, never busts. <laughs> ghost finger. <laughs> Such a ghost finger. Um, a spider's ghost. <laughs> it's ghost finger. <laughs> Octobusty. <laughs> Die and I mean, let it kind of was Octobusty already. <laughs> Um, Doctor so, Ghost. Yeah, uh, you only live twice. If one of the times you count is when you're a ghost. So uh, I guess that's the end of the podcast. Uh, we can keep the, going uh, with these. Gym- I don't think we can. <laughs> the ghosting based bus on lights the jokes that we've been making uh, for the podcast uh, called the Flop House. I've been Dan McCoy. Yeah, I'm also on the Flop House, and my <laughs> calling is Stuart Wellington. You're calling. <laughs> It really is an avocation. <laughs> and I'm on the flop house too through some bizarre blessing <laughs> bestowed upon me by a merciful God. And my name is Elliot Kalen. Good night, everyone. See you later. Sea biscuit. <laughs>bite would you mm, not want you to jack jack you off <laughs> would i not mind jacking off no if no, you no, just, no no <laughs> no no wait what? are we, we going to talk about wait we have to jack off a cenobite now <laughs> dan you totally misunderstood who was doing the jacking of who although this is a better a really question <laughs> so dan answer the question um that's Wait. gonna that's gonna put new meaning to the term yanking my chain. I don't remember because <laughs> they have chains for penis. I don't they really call them pin pullers. I remember one of the night breeds. There was that moon face. <laughs> yeah, the, and, and night, night breeds all dudes jacking each other off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Which Smurf would you rather have sex with, Dan? Can't say Lady Smurf. Vanity uh, Smurf is. Off the table. <laughs> You're taking He's a lot off the table. You can Vanity Smurf between, is watching. You can choose between Papa Smurf uh, with the other ones. Book Smurf There's with the other Baker ones. Smurf. Cook Smurf. Uh, you sleep with, you'd hook up with Brainy Smurf? Look, uh, it's no, like choose, Revenge of the Nerds taught us. Nerds okay. just think about sex. You choose sure. Papa Smurf because he's been around the block. He knows a few tricks. Yeah, I was going to do. He's a real I'd bear. Be, <laughs> That's yeah, true. I guess, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you blur your eyes, his a beard makes his face look like a vagina. What? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'm gonna call no on that. <laughs> I'd pick. Is there a Baker Smurf? I pick uh, the probably. one that. I pick the one that would have food in his apartment <laughs> after we're done having sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know to give, replenish my energy. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna the, lose a lot of electrolytes. The, the problem, <laughs> Wait, the problem with Smurfs. Does a baker bake electrolytes in his bread? <laughs> the, <laughs> this is sports bread. <laughs> it's orange. That, oh, it's quick! Okay. Somebody sports get those bread. Shark Tank dudes on the line. Sports bread's a great idea. It's purple sports bread. <laughs> now, here's the thing: it's hard to have sex with a Smurf because their dirty talk is so incomprehensible. They're like, "Oh yeah, Smurf, my Smurf, Smurfier, Smurfier, Smurf it." <laughs> Smurf, difficult. So yeah, that would be that would be an obstacle for you to overcome. Yeah, of course, because communication is the bedrock of sex, (laughs) and the brain is the biggest erogenous. (laughs) Not if you have a forty-pound penis.